engage with with artworks. Uh, this uh, experience of, of place, uh, our being in the world, is somehow somehow changed because the artwork, uh, in a sense, opens up uh, another world, uh, this sort of heterogeneous world, which which appears in the midst of the world, but at the same time opens another world. Uh, so if we, let's say we look at a lands landscape painting, uh, the landscape that I see, uh, I, don't, I don't intend it as, as, as belonging to the same space as, as, the, uh, as the gallery in which mm. I'm standing. Uh, the, the painting, in a sense, uh, functions as this threshold to, to this uh, irreal or non-actual space that I can sort of see inside, but, but I can never enter. Hello and welcome to Chasing Leviathan. I'm your host, PJ Weary, and I'm here today with uh, Dr. Harry uh, Maitland. He is a postdoctoral researcher of aesthetics at the University of Helsinki in Finland. His research interests include phenomenology, hermeneutics, and the history of aesthetics. He is especially interested in the nature of aesthetic experience and all its variations. Uh, Harry, wonderful to have you today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so yeah, excited. I'm really excited to talk today and kind of, you know, you, you say in your bio, you're especially interested in the nature of aesthetic experience. That's kind of what we're talking about today is uh, why is art immersive? Why does it create an immersive experience? And what does that even mean? And, uh, you know, why is it important? And I, I think everyone has some kind of fundamental grasp of this, right? Like uh, we all experience art in these kind of ways, but we don't, we, we experience it naively. And so really excited to hear uh, what you have to say about it today. But let's first start about you. Uh, uh, how did you get interested in this topic? Um, what drove you into this career path? Yeah, thanks. Uh, that's a that's a long story. So, so oh, that's fine. Please yeah. bear with me. Uh, it, it, it goes uh, all the way back to to my childhood. So um, I was uh, I was lucky enough to to uh, grow up in an environment where where I was uh, I was exposed to to a lot of art from from quite an early age, and uh, and some of some of my most memorable childhood experiences had to do with with art, and I have this vague memory that this this uh, question popped uh, into my head quite early on, namely this question about why why is it that sometimes art has this uh, very very intense mm. effect on us? Uh, of course, I wasn't able to to formulate that in any any sophisticated way, but but anyway, it just sort of it sort of started started growing uh, inside my mind. Um, and um, uh, then I also got interested in philosophy from from quite quite an early age. I I think I was in the in the tender age of thirteen or fourteen or something when I first started reading Freud, <laughs> uh, and uh, and that was a, a bit like a yeah, gateway yeah, drug, yeah. you know. Uh, it it didn't it didn't take me too long to to start doing doing harder substances like German idealism, and uh, and. Uh, <laughs> I realized that my that my I realized that my interest in in art was uh, it was uh, it was theoretical in nature. The kind of questions that I was uh, asking about art 
uh, were such that that uh, I, I realized that that I don't I don't want to become an mm. artist, and I don't think I have the talent to be an artist. Uh, but but I was definitely interested in in art. So uh, so then I ended up uh, studying mm. aesthetics uh, at the uh, University of of uh, Helsinki, and. Um, <clears throat> And uh, of course, we we dealt with all sorts of theories of of aesthetic experience, but but uh, I always had this this weird feeling that that something's missing. That theories that we are talking about don't really address the kinds of experiences that I've had, and they don't address the kind of questions that I have. Um, but but at the time, I didn't do too much with that. I was I was concerned with other other things initially. And uh, so I do my bachelor's de- uh, bachelor's degree and master's degree, and uh, I start doing my my doctoral dissertation. And uh, uh, the initial topic uh, was on on the ontology mm. of art. You know, uh, the question question of of uh, how do artworks exist? What kind of entities are artworks? And uh, I had been doing that for for a year or so mm. or something like that mm. when i when i had a trip to paris there was the seminar i was i was attending and um uh i had some free time on my hands one day and uh, i decided to go to the louvre uh and uh, and i got this stupid idea that i want to see how how long it takes me to to uh, walk through every room uh in the museum uh so <laughs> I go there very very early, and uh, and and I walk and I, I was walk, say, and, I walk yeah. and I walk and I uh, and and then finally I end up in the in the uh, galleries of of uh, French mm. painting, and uh, and this one particular painting uh, catches my eye. Uh, it was um, uh, Theodore Gericault's painting, the the Raft of the Medusa, uh, from eighteen nineteen or, or thereabouts. You know, it's this uh, it's this uh, iconic painting, uh, which uh, depicts this scene uh, on on a stormy ocean. Uh, there is this ramshackle raft barely floating uh, on the waves, and uh, and and there are dead bodies all around, and people dying, and uh, and uh, and the uh, survivors are sort of frantically waving. Uh, Towards the horizon, where you can just barely see a, mm. a ship uh, approaching them, and uh, and there was just something about that painting that that just sort of sort of uh, locked me in or sort of pulled me towards it, and uh, and and I just kept staring at it and staring, and I I just sort of I don't know how long I I, I stared at it. It could have been five minutes or half an hour. I don't know. And uh, and I just sort of lost all my my sense of of of, mm. of surroundings, and uh, and uh, and yeah, then then finally I <laughs> I sort of managed managed to tear myself away uh, from from the painting and uh, and and continue my my Herculean labor uh, going through the museum. And I think it took me like eight hours or something uh, to to go through the whole place. But 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 the rest of 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 the tour, I just couldn't stop thinking yeah. about the painting. Uh, like, what on earth happened? Why was it that that of all the artworks in the Louvre, 
it was that particular painting that that captured me and and i realized that even even though i'm i'm a doctoral student in aesthetics i didn't know what happened i i didn't have the tools uh to 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 oh, i didn't have yeah. a ready answer and of course that was really frustrating so when i got back home uh i started to collect some literature and go through it and and i realized that strangely enough even though aesthetic uh experiences is one of the biggest topics in 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 philosophical aesthetics i really couldn't find find uh the kind of account that would would uh, yeah. capture that experience i mean i i could find something but but surprisingly yeah. little uh, so i just sort of decided that maybe i should ditch this ontology thing and uh, and uh, and 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 start looking for answers so that's how i got interested in in mm-hmm. immersion so i think it was sort of long time coming it was sort of brewing in my head but but it took this this one one particular experience for 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 me to to sort of um start yeah, doing to it specialize or, yeah the um yeah and I, just for our, our audience because we mentioned uh we talked about this earlier but i actually found you because my mother-in-law sent uh <laughs> your article in psyche which yeah. we'll put in the description below on uh, when art transports us where do we actually go which i i love that description of it too um what's really yeah yeah you have yeah. to thank you yeah, yeah absolutely yeah she probably will listen to this i'll definitely send it to her and be like um the this happy accident is your fault the uh <laughs> mm-hmm. so i um even as you're talking about this it's interesting i haven't had as many immersive experiences with art but i think a lot of times my experience mm-hmm. of art because i grew up in a very rural location uh was um reproduction on a screen and it really doesn't do justice. Mm-hmm. So well, when I went and did my yeah. master's, uh, I did it in Chicago um, or just outside of mm-hmm. Chicago. And so, you know, I was able to go to the art museum in Chicago, which, of course, has like great. I, you, there's no substitute for seeing a painting in person. Right. Like. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I, right. I, I'm just curious uh, how much of that uniqueness plays into this. And what would you say to people um, is, is important about first-hand seeing art versus through uh, this kind of, uh, I mean, most people's experience of art, when they, like, if we look up the Wrath of Medusa, like, that's not going to give the same, like, I don't think anyone's going to look at their computer screen and be, like, lost for an hour, right? Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. I mean, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, that particular painting, it's, right. it's huge. It's, like, many meters or, or feet. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a huge thing. It's sort of, swallows you if, if you go close to it and it just doesn't if you look at it from a from a screen it's it's nowhere near near the experience that you have when you see the real thing but i think uh you you are correct that it's it's very important to see things uh live or actually uh, especially when it comes to 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 the mm. visual arts uh, paintings you you would think that a reproduction of a painting would work on a screen but it doesn't uh and i really noticed this um uh, uh, during the the pandemic, uh, when I mean all the museums were closed, um, I work as an art critic uh, at the same time. So so uh, I was used to going to art exhibitions all the time, and then everything closes, and and for for months, all I have 
uh, our books and, uh, and and the internet. And then when when the museums finally opened and I and I was able to to see a real painting for the for the for the first time uh, for a long time, uh, uh, it was such a, it was like such an exhilarating experience, like almost like falling in love again or, or <laughs> yeah. something like that. I, I had forgotten how how cool this is. Uh, and yeah, I think it's it's um, it's such a a unique type of engagement that we we can have with mm. artworks, and it's not just uh, intellectual, uh, but it's very very physical mm. and embodied, and uh, and emotional, and and you don't usually get that uh, if you see a small reproduction. Uh, it's I think uh, if we think about paintings. It's it's the physicality of the paint that also plays into into the experience and 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 and, and, and the size of it and and usually colors are not very well reproduced and, and, and all that so I think it's a very unique unique thing and and very important yes. to see things uh, see things live but actually uh, uh, I also grew up in in quite oh, a small okay. town in in central Finland. Uh, we did have actually quite a big art museum in 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 our our uh, town, uh, but um, but yeah, my my uh, like initial experiences with art were mostly with films and 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 things right. like that. So, right. So so you can have have artistic experiences uh, in rural yes. places also as long as you have. Yes. Well, and that's you know it. Uh, I think most people's experience of this this kind of immersive experience, they're going to think first and foremost about cinema. It's one of the easiest ones to yeah. really achieve. Um, uh, I think another part of exactly. that too. Uh, so for me, my journey's similar. Um, I had a lot of access, uh, love to read at a young age. So for me, literature is my mm -hmm. first love. And then I got into philosophy. Yeah. And while I appreciated the arguments of philosophy, I felt that there was some what everyone did, what, the same thing that I felt in arguing in philosophy was the same thing that was occurring in fiction, but in a different way in terms of truth. And mm -hmm. uh, so my own journey and, you know, I right now I have a four and six year old. So and I'm running a business and two podcasts. So <laughs> maybe in the future, mm -hmm. I'd love to get a Ph.D. Yeah. But when I look at it and, and I yeah. think about it, the the status of truth in art is what began to fascinate me. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know. When you talk about the immersive experience, my first thoughts turn to literature because that that's where I've most experienced it. Um, so yeah. uh, obviously this is not just limited to paintings. Uh, when I have experienced it, um, you, you mentioned color, you mentioned size. I think also, you, and I'm yeah. sure you agree with this, brush technique is something that's very much lost. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. I saw, I think it's yeah. uh, Surratt, maybe that's the, I can't remember who did, um, yeah. a Sunday afternoon in the park. It's uh it's pointillism yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, so uh, yeah. uh i didn't realize i'd seen that in like history books you know like uh <laughs> and then i went to the art museum in chicago and it's huge yeah. and he did it with yeah. tons of little points of color and you don't get that in a reproduction exactly. and it's it's kind of stunning and, and really the composition is nice obviously but like that whole um I think there is what what's really interesting is that kind of physicality and that embodiment that that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I yeah I definitely as you're, you're talking about this a lot of the a lot of these same areas are the areas that I have studied. When you talk about phenomenology, when you talk about hermeneutics, and these mm -hmm. all are ways of providing yeah. us with 
um, the kind of toolboxes to deal with the aesthetic experience. Um, do you mind yeah, telling yeah. us a little bit about what phenomenology and hermeneutics are for our audience who might not be familiar with that? So start with phenomenology. You don't have to do like both at once. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, so, um, so first of all, phenomenology it's a it's a branch of philosophy, and um, much like uh, philosophy in general, uh, phenomenology starts with uh, with this sense of mm. wonder over the fact that that we find ourselves uh, in a world that is that is meaningful to us, a world that we can understand and and experience in in a myriad of ways, and we find ourselves in in this world. Uh, in in such a way that we are conscious of ourselves and and capable of of asking the nature of of our own existence. Uh, so I think much of philosophy boils down to to the very basic questions of of what is reality and what is it to be a human being. And phenomenology uh, is is based on 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 the basic conviction that our most basic and primitive connection to reality and, and to ourselves uh, occurs through immediate first-person mm. experience. And if we want to give an answer to these very fundamental philosophical questions, uh, we need to understand how we as human beings experience the world. So phenomenology is, is concerned with mapping and, uh, and describing the, the whole fulcrum of, of human experience. And uh, and the ways in which uh, they connect us uh, to 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 the world, uh, to to other people around us, and and to to other objects and, and other entities, and so so on. So phenomenologists are interested in questions like what is it to perceive something? What is it to be conscious of of oneself? What is it to feel love or anger or joy or despair or hope? And and how do all these different experiences uh, shape our existence? Now, of course, uh, there are many many different uh, other disciples uh, disciplines also that that study uh, human experience, uh, things like uh, psychology or cognitive science or, or neuroscience. Um, but uh, what separates phenomenology from from most other uh, approaches is that uh, phenomenologists uh, study experiences uh, as they are lived through uh, in 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 the mm. first person uh, uh, perspective, uh, experiences in in their concreteness and and immediateness or immediacy, uh, and and phenomenologists try not to. Uh, Try not to uh, explain uh, experiences by by uh, reference reference to something outside uh, uh, of, of those experiences that they are trying to to explain. So, in contrast, uh, if if a neuroscientist uh, wanted to explain what it is to experience beauty, uh, they would, for example, they would put people in brain scans and. Uh, and and see what areas uh, in their brains flare up when when they see something beautiful or, or listen to to beautiful music, but for phenomenologists, uh, this kind of approach doesn't really really capture what it is to to experience beauty. Uh, so so phenomenologists are, are occupied in in describing in very minute detail uh, 
different experiences and, and, and what it is like to, to live through them. Uh, so, so, um, so yeah, uh, of course, I mean, this is a very basic, yeah, basic course, explanation yeah. and, and, and then things get a lot messier when we get to the question of, well, how do phenomenologists actually describe experience? What do they do with, uh, experiences? Uh, so there are many yeah. different branches and then we don't have to go into them, things like, like transcendental phenomenology and existential phenomenology and, and, uh, and hermeneutic phenomenology and, and, and so on. But, but the basic idea that, that, uh, that connects yeah. all uh, branches of, of phenomenology is this conviction that, that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that our primary and basic connection to reality goes through first-person experience, and that is what we have to understand if we want to understand what it is to be, be human and, and how reality is given to us uh, in, in, in a meaningful way. So connected to that, uh, hermeneutics then uh, is is uh, is another branch of philosophy which is uh, especially nowadays it's it's closely connected to uh, phenomenology. Uh, so hermeneutics is is ba- basically a, a branch of philosophy that that studies uh, human understanding and and the way we uh, interpret the world. So initially uh, hermeneutics. Uh, dealt with uh, uh, the interpretation of texts like like the Bible or, or law texts and so on, but then, uh, well, uh, then then uh, some philosophers like Martin Heidegger took up uh, this this idea and and sort of mm, uh, and, and and they they sort of enlarged the area. Of, of or the domain of, of hermeneutics and said that well uh, all human existence is is understanding uh, that that understanding is a basic mode of, of human human uh, existence and and we don't interpret things only when we read something but we interpret uh, our situation yeah. all the time uh, whether or not it be conscious or, or we interpret or not. faces we interpret so, architecture uh, Literal signs, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and even now, as you are listening to me, you are interpreting what I'm I'm saying, and and so on. Uh, so so uh, this phenomenological hermeneutics or, or hermeneutic phenomenology, whichever way you want to want to put it, uh, studies uh, how we exist as understanding being beings, and what what happens when when we understand something or interpret mm. something yeah so, so that that's a very short yeah short and, I, and so i just want to make sure that i'm tracking with you uh kind of the strength of phenomenology is that it gives us access to this first person experience as knowledge which a lot of philosophy and science struggles with um and it, which provides mm-hmm. in many ways uh i have found it more enjoyable to read than a lot of other philosophy because you can ha- you have a lot more of those moments of Oh, I connect with that. I know what that feels like. On the other hand, the weakness exactly. of phenomenology is that it is <laughs> reliant on first hit, first person, <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes it uh, yeah. it can be very culturally conditioned in a way that may, is culturally blind. And so uh, you have to mm-hmm. be, the, there takes a great deal of uh, humility to do it correctly and saying, here is one way of looking at it, and here are some some knowledge about it. But understanding of some of that is culturally conditioned. 
Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, so, yeah, uh, my my initial initial reaction to phenomenology was was exactly what you said earlier. Uh, you know, as I said, uh, I had before I went to uh, before I I I started studying at the university, I had read like Freud and and and, and the German idealists, which are which are not very down to earth <laughs> uh, things. And then 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 I uh, then I remember I can still remember so vividly. Uh, this lecture where our professor started to talk about Heidegger and uh, and and the way a piece of chalk gains its meaning uh, as uh, when it's embedded uh, in in a context of of human endeavors and and and, and in a world which is which ha- which has uh, lecture rooms and, and and chalkboards and lectures and and uh, and, and the need to study and, and things like that uh, and and I was like wow you can do philosophy like this uh, so it was a bit like you know Sartre got interested in in phenomenology because someone told you that someone told him that that you can do philosophy by looking at a wine glass so I had a very a pretty similar experience with a piece of chalk um, so yeah yeah that's 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 exactly what what draws me to phenomenology precisely because you can you can sort of you can you can understand what what the phenomenologist are saying and, and and go like yeah 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 that's true that's true that's exactly what 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 I have experienced and sometimes with phenomenal or very often with phenomenology you get this get this uh, uh, this funny feeling that that when when you read something and uh, and and understand what what the phenomenologist is trying to say and you just go like Yes, of course. Yes, of course. That's the simplest <laughs> thing ever. But but the thing that you have, that, but thing that you have never, never, uh, something that had never occurred to you before. Uh, I think that's that's the sort of fantastic thing about phenomenology. But uh, you are also correct that that that's also a, a weakness in phenomenology because we are tied to our own subjective view of the world, and uh, and. Uh, and as you said, it, it requires quite a lot of humility or, or, or yeah. carefulness uh, in in trying to bracket out all the idiosyncrasies of, of our own personal uh, experiences. And and you know uh, the the at least the original version of, of phenomenology, Edmund Husserl's phenomenology, uh, had this had this um, uh, goal to achieve some kind of uh, Universal structures of experiences uh, that apply to to all experience and uh, uh, and uh, and so on. And I think we have to be very careful in 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 uh, in what we are actually claiming about about experiences. And 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 as you said, I think phenomenolo- phenomenological descriptions should be taken more like uh, they are more like suggestions yeah. that okay, well, this is how how I experience things. This is how I analyze my own experiences, and uh, and uh, and uh, I wonder if this works for you. Yes. Uh, and of course, this kind of kind of this way of doing doing uh, philosophy or or science goes quite quite uh, against this objectivist third person uh, ideal of 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 science. Uh, but uh, again, the the phenomenologists can sort of defend themselves by saying that well, okay, uh, we are. I mean, we every one of us experiences the world from from the first person perspective, and and that, that's something we can't do away with. That and even if the 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 scientist uh, tries to to explain 
something from from some sort of objective third person perspective it, it always goes uh, through the first person perspective first and and that's something we have to have to understand if we want to uh, achieve some sort of objectivity or, or, or a third person perspective yeah. whatever that well, is. I think it's really interesting you mentioned uh, Husserl like um, uh, that the, the one of the big issues that we run into with this is something that eventually we've run into with the sciences that what we mm-hmm. so um, it was really ob- it was blindingly obvious the transcendental phenomenology right uh if we don't see it as suggestions or even as like for me it's often a question of like connections conversation and dialogue right so i i explain my firsthand experience to see where do i connect with the other person instead of saying when yeah. what Husserl was trying to do is he he's like this is the way everyone's firsthand experience is like and it, it was like no that's Husserl's experience right and it, like that seems really obvious yeah. to what now but at the time, he was working through that. Mm. And what we've seen with science is, uh, time and time again, uh, there are a lot of things that are that do appear to be universal, but there, it's amazing how many little firsthand things where the scientist themselves makes certain, um, they go looking for an answer mm-hmm. and they find the stuff that confirms their answer, right? Because it does go through first yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. And we've almost learned that lesson mm coming from uh transcendental uh phenomenology that way uh <laughs> yeah so yeah. It, go ahead yeah and that yeah and i think that's where you need need this hermeneutic perspective this understanding that that we are all situated beings that we we all have uh this this limited horizon from which we look at the world and this horizon is is conditioned by by our, our culture, our previous experiences, and and so on, and so on, and so on, and we have to understand how how this background colors the way way we interpret things and understand things. Uh, so so yes, that that's why I think this this hermeneutic perspective is it really important. adds a lot to it, and it's part of the reason. One, um, I, I think we in a lot of ways for me it was literature for you. You know, it was experience with cinema. I mean, obviously, it's experience like with multiple mm-hmm. forms of art. I think immersion happened probably for you yeah. in multiple ways as it did for me but as we talk about this yeah, yeah. um the reason that we thought fo- that uh, phenomenology and hermeneutics work so well um in, in a lot of ways the anglophone world uh focused on a lot of other things <laughs> that didn't deal with mm-hmm. art yeah. well but when you talk about first person experience uh this idea of consciousness uh and value and then context I mean, it, it makes so much sense why uh, the study of art was particularly fecund in uh, hermeneutics and phenomenology, which is why why you studied mm-hmm. it, correct? That's why that's how we get kind of. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a long roundabout way, but I think now people understand uh, the tool set that you're using to talk about the immersive experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I just have to say that. Um, I mean, uh, art has been also studied in the Anglophone uh, philosophy, but but the questions and the approaches to to uh, art has been very different. So, uh, Anglophone or analytic philosophers haven't been that interested in in aesthetic right. experience. I mean, some of them have said that well, it doesn't make any sense, and it's just way too ambiguous and and trivial thing for for serious philosophy. And what they have been interested in are, are the art right. objects and and. So, so it has been a very big question in in analytic uh, aesthetics. This question of what is art? Why is some object 
an artwork and another is is not um so they haven't they, they haven't been very concerned with with uh, aesthetic experiences but uh, and it has been a, a much more more uh, uh like uh, and more emphatic, emphatic mm. issue in in in, in continental yeah. thinking uh, yeah. so do you want to tell us a little bit about um as it, what is the immersive experience then uh, with this background mm. how would you describe it okay yeah yeah sure uh so so this is basically the 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 argument that i i try to defend in my my phd thesis uh so um my 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 thesis builds on this uh heideggerian uh idea that that human existence is is by nature uh topological mm. uh which means that uh human existence cannot be meaningfully uh, articulated and thought uh without uh, reference to the world in which this existence takes place you know we are not just some sort of beings that Float in nothingness. We are embodied beings who, who, who exist in a world, and 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 human existence is precisely about being open to to the meaningfulness of of, of the world. And uh, and Heidegger's technical term for 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 human was Dasein, being there, because we always find ourselves there uh, in 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 the world. And uh, so my my thesis or, or my thinking leaves. Uh, from from this this idea that that um, we always uh, or actually <laughs> or at least usually <laughs> we experience the world uh, as uh, as uh, that we uh, we we uh, we find ourselves in a world which is uh, spatially extended and, and temporally continuous and and it's organized in in a, in a meaningful way so that without having to do much effort i understand that there's a table before me and uh, and and uh, another person and uh, and trees and animals and, and things like that uh so i don't just experience sensory stuff that i have to somehow actively organize into meaning the world opens up to me as, as, a, as, a, as a meaningful and, and coherent whole so what i then uh try to or, or what I argue is that when when we engage with with artworks uh, this uh, experience of, mm. of place uh, our being in the world is somehow somehow changed because the artwork uh, in a sense opens up uh, another world uh, this sort of heterogeneous world which which appears in the midst of the world, but at the same time opens another world. Uh, so if we, let's say we look at a lands landscape painting, uh, the landscape that I see, uh, I, don't, I don't intend it as, as, as belonging to the same space as, as, the, uh, as the gallery in which mm. I'm standing. Uh, the, the painting, in a sense, uh, functions as this threshold to, to this uh, irreal or non-actual space that I can sort of see inside, but but I can never enter. And and what I uh, started to to describe is the way this eruption of of this uh, uh, poetic world, as I call it, uh, how this eruption uh, alters my sense of 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 time and space and uh, and uh, 
and even my sense or, or, or my awareness of myself. And, uh, and so what I, what I uh, argued in my thesis is that immersion uh, can be systematically uh, articulated in terms of the way uh, artworks uh, disrupt the basic experiential structures that maintain our awareness of, of place is that somehow uh, the, the experiential structures that sustain my, my awareness of being here uh, in, in the world are, are changed. And, and uh, when, when I'm immersed in an artwork, my, my sense of time changes. I can lose uh, com completely my, my sense of time and, and place and people around me and, and, and so on. So that's what I, I'm, I'm uh, sort of arguing for, that uh, that's what, what, uh, what happens. The artworks have this, this uh, uh, weird capacity to, to uh, alter or disrupt our, our basic experiential structures. Yeah. Like time and space. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and I love that. I, I think, you know, you mentioned horizons earlier on. So for our audience, if they don't understand that, that idea yeah. is that there's only so much experience that I've had, right? That myself has had, mm -hmm. that PJ has had. And so that is the, mm -hmm. literally when I look out, um, almost like you're describing your mental space as a map, you have that horizon. That's as far as that my map has seen as much as I've seen. And that's going to be mm -hmm. different among different people. Uh, what's interesting to me, and this is what I've looked at with literature, um, kind of as my fundamental art form, probably because I understand it the best, mm -hmm. Right. I think we're drawn towards the different yeah. ones. And we but, but uh, when you talk about this, uh, it's interesting you say irreal over unreal. Right. Which is slightly different. Yeah. And I think that this idea that we talk about, like impressionist painting. What you're looking at is not mm. just like a, a, it's not a photograph. Right. You're not looking at yeah. a real place. Yeah. What you're looking at in many ways is another self is that there's the creation of a new mm. horizon. Is that, a, is that a good clarifying way to talk about it? Yeah, 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 maybe, maybe so, yes. Um, although I, I think we have to be careful uh, with that in the sense that uh, when we engage with artworks, I think we are not directly engaged with other minds. You know, it's not just that the, that the uh, artwork is some, some kind of arbitrary link between my mind and and the artist's mind, what we are engaged with is the is the artwork, uh, which sort of bears the imprint or the trace of of the of the uh, artist's consciousness. Uh, but but yes, uh, I think definitely that's a, that's a, a important uh, clarification in the sense that uh, is that uh, precisely what what opens. Uh, in an engagement with with an art uh, with, with an artwork is that uh, uh, what opens is is this uh, horizon uh, of sense which bears bears uh, like human yes. significance and and and, and human yeah, and you mentioned like that other person's uh, imprint right and that I think that is fair it's not like I'm actually yeah. looking inside like Van Gogh's head when I look inside. <laughs> It's painting. And I think that's, uh, yeah. and I, I'm glad that you, you mentioned that because when we talk about horizon, and this was a huge point for me because uh, I grew up with very a very poor set of hermeneutics. Uh, I grew up uh, fundamentalist mm -hmm. Christian and the, 
the way they talked about interpretation was very poor. It's probably a large reason why I got pushed mm-hmm. into this. I was like, this doesn't match up with my experience of reading literature at all. Um, but yeah, the yeah. Uh, when I, when I uh, the the point about horizons is not that I can ever take someone else's point of view because I can never be I can never look mm-hmm. out from someone else's eyeballs. But we can share the same horizon. Like we can sit next to each other on a porch exactly. and look out the same thing. And so art does that in. A, a unique way. <laughs> and yeah. what would you say is unique yeah. about that versus just dialogue in general or explanatory power in general? Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a very good, very good question. I think, I think uh, it goes back to to the fact that art engages us in in such a holistic holistic way i mean usually usually the way this this uh is is uh, articulated is that art doesn't just tell us how things are it it mm. shows us how things are uh so so for instance instead of just saying that uh that uh six million jews died mm. in the holocaust uh art can sort of show us the horror of of the concentration camps and 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 human capacity for 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 in in humanity, uh, so so there is this sort of holistic uh, engagement or, or simulation that that doesn't just uh, stimulate our minds but but also engages our emotions and and imagination and uh, and memories and yeah and, and the whole 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 body, so that's that's what I think that is is interesting. Uh, about art, that uh, that that through art we can sort of we can experience all sorts of uh, things that that we would not be able to or even willing to uh, experience in in our in our own lives or real lives. Uh, so so one argument for art could be that that uh, art sort of it widens our perspectives or mm. horizons uh in a way that uh, sort of simple telling or, or propositional knowledge doesn't because art sort of penetrates deeper or it can penetrate uh deeper uh one one way that i I've, I've sort of found useful uh in thinking about this um is is this uh, theory proposed by this Finnish literary theorist called uh, Hanna Meretoja? Uh, she proposed this this uh, concept of of sense Forgive of the me. possible. Do you mind? Um, do you um, mind uh, spelling that? Uh, yes. Her name. Oh, okay. So it's uh, Hanna H uh, A double A. Uh, sorry, H A double N A and Meretoja M E R. E T O uh, J and A. Thank you. Sorry. Continue. I, I want to put it down in the description. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Sure. Uh, so so uh, she uh, developed this, or, or she has proposed this theory that uh, art can widen our sense of the possible. And what what um, uh, what the idea is that. I mean, basically, this has to do with with the, with the term horizon also. Uh, so the basic idea is that uh, our sense of the possible uh, uh, articulates 
the way in which we we uh, interact with our surroundings and 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 how in each situation our our way of interacting with our, our surroundings uh, is is conditioned by our understanding of of what is possible in in that given situation what kind of possibilities of of thought or action or whatever is 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 possible and uh, i mean you know uh, a grocery store appears to me as a, as a different kind of uh, space of possibilities than than my home <laughs> or or my yeah. my office yeah. you know uh, it's a very basic basic point uh, but uh, and and of course this sense of the possible is is uh, something that evolves and accumulates all through our lives uh, as as we grow up and and gain more experience. But now the thing is, uh, our sense of the possible, like like our hermeneutic horizon, is is never exhaustive. It's never all encompassing, and and we are never aware of all the possibilities that uh, that are mm-hmm. open to us in in a given situation. And and uh, actually, our everyday everyday lives uh, tend to narrow and and stultify our our sense of of the possible. And I, I think you actually talked about this in an earlier earlier episode with uh, some Sam Tiara. Um, uh, but uh, I mean, I mean, there is this point that that uh, we usually live our lives with certain automatism and and habituality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Meretoya's point and theory is that artworks and in her case literary narratives uh, they can expand our sense. Of, of what is yeah. possible uh, by allowing us to uh, experience or see the world through uh, other people's eyes of, of, of being in contact with other kinds of, of ways of, of t- uh, other kind of ways of uh, thinking and, and relating to, to the world. I, could I, and, uh, oh, I'm sorry. So, I was going to say yeah, in terms sure. of, uh, uh, I just want to make sure I'm tracking with you and maybe clarifying here. Um, when you mm. talk about this, something that's uh, really helped my thinking about uh, literature is what's the difference between a literary narrative and a, his- and a historical mm. narrative? And what's interesting is that even when yeah. you're talking about this, you're getting more access to the other person's phenomenological first person knowledge be- precisely because, uh, yeah. and you know, biographies are going to be different from, you know, tales of empire, right? And there are different historical narratives. Mm. So there's obviously some kind of sliding scale here. Yeah. But it becomes very clear that there is, uh, if, if someone gets a fact wrong in, in fiction, that's not the point. No one cares, mm. right? But historical mm. narrative is bound by, and you are bound by when in using historical narrative, yeah. by the veracity of the facts. And it can fundamentally change it. And you have to yeah. approach it differently. Because you have to verify what you're doing. Whereas with fiction, you allow yourself to participate without regard for the actual veracity of it, because that's not the point. And so that's mm-hmm. actually, that sounds yeah, like yeah, a weakness yeah. in our culture, but it's actually, a, it's strength. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, sometimes it is precisely that the veracity is, is not really the point, but, but exactly the... Uh, uh, emotions and, and and the way the artwork engages our imagination uh, and, uh, and 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 so on and I think uh, actually this is a point that that comes from from 
Nietzsche. Uh, I mean, this interesting, interesting thing. Uh, uh, Nietzsche. Um, uh, he, he, I mean, you know, he he wrote a great deal about about art and uh, and uh, and his his point about the relationship between art and uh, and uh, and truth or veracity is quite 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 interesting. Uh, he was worried about this about this point that that we are so obsessed mm. with truth. Uh, truth in the sense of, of factual knowledge uh, that that it has led, led us to undermine the value of of other kinds of of relationships to to reality uh, like uh, like emotions and desire and creativity uh, whose whose relationship to reality is a bit more more fluid and ambiguous than than yeah. truth uh, <laughs> Uh, so, so, so in his in his book uh, "Will to Power," uh, he he makes this point that sometimes truth can be ugly, and uh, and seeing the world only through uh, uh, only through the lens of of truth can make our relationship to to reality quite cold and arid, and uh, and he he thought that uh, art can provide us with this dimension of experience that somehow counterbalances uh, truth and and makes life about something more than than just truth uh, in this in this very cold and arid sense and endows life with with beauty and uh, and creativity and imagination and that's why he wrote this this famous line that that we have art lest we perish from the truth uh, so I think that's a that's a very interesting interesting point that uh, art uh, opens us uh, a relationship to dimensions of meaning uh, that are difficult to capture in in conceptual mm. language and uh, and and difficult to to approach in intellectual terms. Uh, is that uh, I mean, of course, art can be deeply intellectual, sure. uh, but it can be so much. So much more than that, uh, you know. Uh, as I said, we are not just brains floating <laughs> in the air, uh, and 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 we are whole people. And 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 art uh, engages us in a very sensory and emotional uh, level, and uh, and 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 tickle us in 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 a very very uh, uh, interesting ways that that are sometimes quite difficult to to capture in in. in conceptual language and i think that's what what's so interesting uh about art uh, uh this, this question that um, what do we do mm. with this dimension of meaning what does it tell us about being a human and 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 yeah. so on so i think that's a, a vital question that when when we start to to ask what is the what is the contribution that art provides us uh that that first of all uh, as, as we just spoke, it opens us this perspective and this uh, possibility of seeing the world through other people's eyes and experience things uh, in a different way, uh, in, in ways that differ from, from our, our own lives. But it also, I mean, of course, uh, uh, we have just abstract art that doesn't involve any, any narrative 
uh, it doesn't open any perspective to another person's life. We have music and 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 stuff like that, poetry, uh, which doesn't include this uh, narrative structure. But it still opens us uh, up to possibility, those... just in different ways. Exactly, exactly. I think uh, you know uh, it doesn't have to be a narrative thing. I think art can still give us experiences that somehow go below the register of 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 conceptual thought. Uh, and and engage the emotions and the imaginations and the whole body, and that's that's what I find find so interesting, and that's where I think we need to look for for, for the meaning yeah. of art, whatever it and is. And I think it's it's forgive me, this is brutally simplistic, but uh, the idea that this first person consciousness, this kind of um, that art versus kind of this explanatory power. Yeah, you have one that is the opening up of possibility and you have the other that is the closing off of possibility, mm-hmm. which sounds like we're saying that, that that's bad. Sometimes you need to close off possibilities, right? Like science is often concerned with solutions mm-hmm. and like finishing and completing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is not that one is necessarily better than the other. It's that uh, kind of what the point you made with Nietzsche that you need uh, both truth and art, that you need both the ability to open mm-hmm. and to close things. Um, you know, I mean, I think that becomes obvious with everyday things. Uh, you need uh, <laughs> you need to figure out what's for dinner. And that's like, at the end of the day, that's a closed mm. question. But if you've had spaghetti and meatballs yeah. for five days for that week, maybe it's time to open up some other possibilities, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true, that's true. Yes. Um, and, I mean, that's a very simplistic, but just to, to give that kind of mm-hmm. simple model for what we've been talking about, um, just... I. As we as yeah. we wrap up here, uh, and again, thank you so much for coming on. This has been, I mean, this is this is what I want to study in philosophy. I could talk about this all day. It's so much fun. Um, so thank you. The uh, what would you sum up uh, for our audience as just like the most important thing to take away when they think about art, when they think about the contribution that art makes to them? Ooh, oh, that's such a good question. I love that. Um, Oh gosh, I think uh, one uh, one thing that I I'm 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 sort of concerned about, and one one thing that saddens me is that so many people say that art is is so mm. difficult, and and that art needs some kind of specialization that it's 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 for the better people or, sure. or something like that. Uh, that that worries me a lot because I think I think art doesn't have to be difficult it doesn't it, it's it's not a riddle you have to solve uh, it's, uh i think what is so interesting about art is that it, it reminds us how how rich and varied human experience mm. can be and 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 reminds us that there is always more things to to experience more things to think about uh so much more to to life uh than what we usually mm. realize, and uh, and it's art is not a, not a sort of it's not a mm. task. It's it's an opportunity uh, to to open up and and maybe learn something. And and it's okay if if nothing happens. It's okay if art leaves you cold. Uh, it's okay if 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 it makes you cry. I mean, it's everything's okay. Uh, it's art is sort of this safe space where 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 you can experience all mm. sorts of things uh and and take away 
whatever it is that you want to want to take away. And I think it's quite fine to just enjoy art. Art can be terribly entertaining. Uh, it can be very superficial, uh, and it's okay. <laughs> so, so I think, I think that's my my sort of message. This is a very wishy washy thing to say, but I, I I really believe this. That that I mean, everything's okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I love that because I think there was a kind of a classist push to have a better class of art, and in some ways, privilege mm. certain consciousnesses certain ways of of feeling and being embodied in the world and that uh the only the better people understood it because only the better people un- experienced it or were immersed in that kind of art because exactly. their lifestyle was different and so i love that you're like find what works for you and if it doesn't work that's okay you know and when i say work i mean it creates this immersive to, or it connects some people it's going to you know there, there's art that doesn't connect with me there's some art that does connect with me mm-hmm. um you know uh yeah so uh, for me, I, I, I haven't seen it in person. I desperately want to. Uh, I love The Flaying of Marcius uh, by Titian. And uh, that ju- I, just, okay. I love yeah. that painting. And so just, uh, yeah. I, I think a lot of times the way that art is taught in schools is a teacher finds something that they like and they share it with the students. And then mm-hmm. some students are like, oh, art must not be for me. Right? And so that's what you're yeah. speaking to. And that brings me, uh, in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. so much joy to hear that. Uh, because I think that there, yeah. there is art out there for everybody, really. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it can be such a, such a great thing. Uh, you just need to, need to have, have an mm-hmm. open mind uh, and, uh, and, and be sort of ready to feel whatever it is that... That the artwork make, makes you feel, and uh, and and you know uh, the the interaction that we have with with uh, with with artworks. I mean, it's a it's a two way street. Uh, we have to be open to the artworks. It's it's not like the magic doesn't just happen. We we need to be be receptive, and and I think you just have to have to sort of be be ready to to see what happens. And if it's not for you, then it's not for you. Uh, but uh, but but it, it's not something that, that you should be worried about. I think. Um, thank you so much. And uh, for our audience, if uh, if you found the depth of conversation inspiring, or if you learned something new, please like, share, and subscribe. Um, Dr. Maiklin, absolutely loved having you on today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs>